Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Today, we're going to talk about background checks and criminal records. Employers use the information provided on employment applications to conduct background checks. Applicants for positions that involve access to confidential or sensitive data may be required to provide additional information, or they may be asked to complete another document or to otherwise supplement the information they've already provided. Avoid unnecessary questions by making sure that additional information provided is consistent with previously submitted information. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, known as the EEOC, seeks to ensure that arrest or conviction records are not used in a discriminatory way and requires that employers defend adverse employment actions because of criminal convictions. Additionally, ban the box or other fair chance laws are policies requiring employers to remove criminal history questions from employment applications have been, they have been enacted in at least, at least 35 states, the District of Columbia, and over 150 cities and counties. Until these laws were passed, there was usually a question on employment applications that asked, have you ever been convicted of a crime? If an applicant checked the box next to the question, answering in the affirmative, yes, many, if not most of the times, the application was tossed. Primarily covering the public sector, many ban-the-box laws also now apply to private sector employers. Private sector employers, this seeks to protect applicants and candidates convicted of a crime from automatic disqualification during the selection process. You need to note that in some cases, employers can inquire or check for criminal history after conducting a first interview. Others may have to wait until a job offer is extended. For example, School districts, if you're going to be hired to, for a job that requires you to be around young people in a, a school or a playground and you have a criminal record, they're going to want to know about that sooner rather than later. 
Also, applicants for a sales position may need a valid driver's license. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But a background check will probably include the applicant's driving record. So it's no surprise that applicants with uh, driving while intoxicated or driving under the influence records and or a high number of points may be bypassed for sales positions. These infractions may prevent applicants from being hired for a sales position that requires driving and could affect your automobile insurance coverage. My advice, don't consider any traffic violation minor and never talk or text while you're on your cell phone while you're driving because it could result in a minor violation that shows up on your background checks. Now, an employer sees your background checks and sees it's a minor or misdemeanor charge and says, well, but still didn't follow the law. I need him to drive. I need her to drive. Why should I hire somebody that doesn't follow the rules? Don't give anybody a chance to eliminate you and don't eliminate yourself from consideration by doing something as silly as that. My other advice, face background checks head on. If you believe for any reason that an issue will surface in your background check, prepare a well-written explanation and practice delivering it just in case you get the opportunity to explain. If possible, hold on to the explanation until after your interview, which hopefully you aced. You may even consider submitting your explanation to the hiring manager or the HR contact before you leave. It's up to you. The person who reads your explanation, if you decide to submit it, may give you a chance to explain in person or to prove yourself on the job. If you don't, if you don't do anything, the background check issue goes unanswered. The worst, the absolute worst thing to do is to lie. The next worst thing to do is nothing. If you lie, however, the employer will find out the truth eventually and you may lose your job. My guests today are my godsons, Jason and Justin Hannibal, who are ex-offenders and two people I love very much. For the record, I'm Aunt Beverly to them. The twins, as they're known, knew better, but engaged in conduct that landed them in federal prison. I'm happy to say that they've learned a valuable lesson and, well, maybe should I say they learned valuable lessons and are now productive members of their communities. Welcome, Justin and Jason. Good morning. How you doing? Okay. I was there, so I know that you two grew up in a loving two-parent, middle-class environment, but somehow you changed direction from college to incarceration. That's a journey I never wanted for you, and I didn't see it coming. What, if anything, has each of you learned? Jason, why don't you go first? Well, one of the main things I learned is I didn't want to be incarcerated. However, you know, in life, as young Black males, sometimes we see instant gratification and we run for it. We don't want to do the hard work. We don't want to put in the hard work. And unfortunately, we make poor choices. And those poor choices affect us throughout our whole entire life. You're right. It was a tough time. 
for you and your brother and everybody who loved you. Just yes, what do you have? What do you say? Well, what I have to say is class has nothing to do with crime. From a certain viewpoint, you'll say, oh, well, these kids, they had everything coming up. They, you know, mother and father that both provide for them, best education, best school and every opportunity. However, that didn't deter, deter one from uh, committing certain crimes. The reason for one to, to commit certain crimes was for financial gain. The lack of opportunities, you know, some would say, oh, well, you, you had every opportunity. But there was still, you know, even as African-Americans, we face certain barriers that are, are hard to hurdle over. So, and uh, mm-hmm. as far as when you think about the whole, as Jason has stated, we look for instant gratification instead of hard work and dedication. If, if something's so alluring to me, whereas I feel like I could get this in a, in a week versus me working three, four years to get, of course, we're going to take the shorter route, even though that doesn't. You know, and 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 hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, we'll we'll sit back now, like, oh, well, it wasn't worth it, and it cost me this many years of my life, and it, you know, it took me away from my family. But like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. At that time, for example, if you have a baby and that baby's crying, you know, what I mean, that baby needs food. You know, you you can't tell me that I'm going to go work at Walmart for three hundred dollars a week to feed my baby. By the time I finish paying for transportation and get home now that, that I've, I've, I've usurped that money already. Crime is not just, you know, sometimes people look at it and say, oh, well, it's, it's you know, you people, people commit crimes for various different reasons. Mine was financial gain. I was going to say, because I know it wasn't because you had to feed anybody. No. But yourself. No, no. no um, I mean, when one goes into crime, it's a selfish act anyway. You know, because the people who really love you, they don't they don't care about what you provide, you know, uh, as long as you're there. You know, the people who really care exactly. about you, they're not they're not they're not sitting back and saying, oh, well, you have to have the latest sneakers and you need the biggest car. or You need to, you know, the the, the flyest jewelry, you know. So when, when, when you decide to go into these 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 realms of crime, it's, it's a selfish nature all in itself. And it's going to affect you for the rest of your life, unfortunately. Yeah. That's true. But I'm glad to see that you all, that something positive came out of it. You know now. You might not have known before, but you definitely know now. Well, well. What if anything, pardon me? I was going to say knowing, knowledge knowledge actually has to have implementation. Just knowing a thing. We knew prior to, before even going to prison, that selling drugs was wrong. We know before going to, you know, before you pull the trigger, you know, killing is wrong. You know, but, you know, knowledge, knowledge has to have implementation. Not only do you have to implement it, you, you have, to, have to have control. True. Control of your emotion. You two didn't kill anybody. No, not at all. Okay, thank you. Just to clear the record. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you this. What, if anything, would you say to young people who feel that the path you took for, will work for them even if it didn't work for you? It, it didn't work for anyone. If you look at the track record, it, it, it has never worked. So why jump into a pit of fire and expect not to get burned? It doesn't work. The day of the kingpin is gone. The day of the Tony Montanas are gone. And people, we didn't realize it. The people before us didn't realize it. And the people of that area really didn't realize it. It's BS, pretty much. 
Yeah. I'll, bre- I'll break it down like this. You know, uh, in life, in life, we have games. We have finite games, and we have infinite games. With with a finite game, we have a metric system. You have you have willing willing participants that play, and at the end of the game, there's a just dis- determined by a metric system, someone wins. Then you have infinite games where you have players who are unknowing. You have players that play voluntarily, and there's no really no metric system. And long after you're going, the game will still go on. When you look at the drug game, it's an infinite game, and there is no winner. There's no success. There's no there's no uh, there's no metric system to measure. You know, long after you're going, it's still going to be played. You have unwilling participants, and you have willing participants. You have people that get hurt all across the board from selfish decisions. So what you have to do is you have to sit back and you say, you know, if you think, you know, a lot of people, they hear it and they're like, ah, oh, you know, them, them some old niggas, they washed up, you know, excuse my language, but that's, that's how it's going to, that's how they'll convey it. But at the end of the day, when you sit back and you, you look at, like, like Jason said, you look at the history, you know, all you got to do is study the game. No one's ever won. You know, you might have one guy that made it out and made a rap album and, you know, but that's one in a million. Also, you you know, we have to, education is key and you have to aspire to want to be more and do more. You know, uh, if, if you if you give a kid and all you put in front of them is a rapper, a ball player, or a drug dealer, and you don't give them any options, you don't show them. One thing that I'm noticing now is that, you know, when we when we were coming up, we had black men in, in the neighborhood, such as my father, such as Mayor Brown, such as, you know, that came around to help the kids, you know, professionals that came after their job to help. Professionals now are running back up to their neighborhoods and, and, and abandoning the uh, inner cities, and, and they're leaving to raise their kids to gangbangers. They're leaving to, you know, to come out and coach their kids to drug dealers, or you know. So that plays a big part too. You know, it's not. It's just not a uh, like they say. It takes a. It takes a uh, community to raise a child. It's not just a uh, a one part effort. You know. So. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, one I mean, of think, the of, things think about when you think about it as far as, you know, it's, it's there's plenty of, 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 you know, you take a young black lawyer, you know, he's successful. He's, uh, you know, he's winning cases. He's in court. He's, he, you know, he's doing corporate law. He's doing business law. He's doing these things. And after work, the first thing he does is he says, well, I'm going home to my wife and kids. You know, his kids, they live in, in Livingston. So he forgot about the whole neighborhood where he came from. He never even went back to the neighborhood he came from because now he's busy raising his kid in Livingston. You know what I mean? And and to some degree, he does owe where he came from. You know, and we have to start. We start to start holding individuals responsible. You know, but that's a whole nother subject on hand. But well, but I think there's an opportunity there. I think there's an opportunity to get mobilize people because you're right. It takes, it takes more than a family, especially today to raise young people successfully. And by successfully, I don't mean sending them to college. I mean, making them productive uh, so that they can take care of themselves. They can live an independent life, crime free, but you're right. There are only 24 hours in a day. And I know from personal experience, if you're a lawyer and you're making a a lot of money, you're working a lot of hours. And if you have a family, you're not seeing them as much as you might like. And it's difficult to put everything 
into action that you would honestly like to do. Some of the things I do, when you know, I don't, you are my children. My godchildren are my children. When I close my eyes, as someone told me once, when I go into my, come into my house and I close the door, I close my eyes, everybody's fed, everybody's safe in my house because it's just me. But one of the things I've tried to do is to talk to young people about employment, which is one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. But you're right. And that may be an opportunity for us, the three of us, to mobilize people, to get them to create opportunities to help the the communities from whence they came. And a lot of professional athletes do that. And a lot of professional athletes. We were, were, you know, in in the beginning, we talked about the box. Yes, ban the box. But what we have to also remember is when guys come home from, from prison, reintegration into society is very important. If one can't work, if one can't feed his family or can't find what's considered gainful employment, when we talk about gainful, I'm not talking about, you know, um, and, and this is no, but uh, I'm not talking about a guy that has to, uh, you know, I'm not talking about a McDonald's worker or, you know, I'm talking about someone who has to, has, has to have gainful employment to take care of their family, you know. Because realistically speaking, how can you take care of your family if you're not making decent money? So now you put this box in front of them now, and and I and I, and I understand that certain jobs do require background checks. I mean, of course, you don't want to, you know, we don't want a pedophile working at a, a daycare center, but exactly, <laughs> you know, you know, but you know, at the same time, we how how long should someone be penalized for for something they did in their past? It is. You got a guy well, who just did 15 it. years. And, go ahead. Let me explain it. There are, I mentioned the EEOC. I didn't elaborate because we didn't have time. There are guidelines that uh, employers must follow. And you're right. The length of time that has passed since the commission and the conviction is important. It's significant. Yes. And it, it's a, one of the factors that go into play. But the other thing is, the reason we have more background checks today than we had is because of 9-11. Before 9-11, background checks were not prevalent. After 9-11, background checks became required in most industries and in many, in many employers did not feel safe without conducting them. It was an additional cost that they had to incur to make sure that they, their company, their employees, their families were safe. And that's why we have as many background checks as we have today. So I'm there's justification me, for having them. But you're right. Let me ask there, you a, a question. Person, how, does my, how does my background, what does my background tell you about my character? Because we aren't the same person. You aren't the same person you were or 10 years ago. Everyone changes, you know, throughout time. You can't. You know, it's just if, if if I was to judge someone based upon what they did when they, especially if they were teenagers or if they were in their twenties, I made mistakes in my twenties that I wouldn't make in my forties. You know what I mean, I That's made right. mistakes in my teens that I wouldn't make in my twenties. But so, the one thing, you know, I mean, the one thing. That's that, what I said. One of the factors is how much time has passed since the commission of the crime. If it's been 15, 20 years, you're right. If it's been two months. 
that's that's not long enough is what I'm saying. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. The length of time that has passed is significant. It's a factor. The one, the one thing we all have to take into effect is accountability. And I'm not talking about accountability on part of the employer, but in uh, uh, part of the felon or the person who committed, we have to take accountability. We can't say, oh, look, we want to walk, work on Wall Street and we just rob 15 city banks. You're right. You're right. But people, to your earlier point, though, if you've paid your debt to society, as they say, and you have changed, you did that in your 20s and now you're 40, what you did in your 20s shouldn't be held against you. I agree. But it may be part of your record. And the other thing is some rec- some uh, background checks are more comprehensive than others. And you get what you pay for. If you don't want to go back 10, 15, 20 years because you don't want to pay for it, if you're the employer, you won't get information that goes beyond a certain point, the point that you're willing to pay for. So. Also, let's not let's not let's not forget that the background checks don't just affect the employment either. Uh, when you go to apply for an apartment, they also affect you as well. I've had several. So, I meet the credit requirements. I meet the income requirements, but I can't get the apartment based upon something that I've done in my past, based upon my criminal record. And something has to be done about that too. But you know, the one thing that we we have to take into consideration through all of this is accountability. A lot of times we look to say, okay, this person's looking at me because of this background or this. We did do whatever they said we did. And if we didn't do it, it actually says we did it. So more than likely we, we, we thought about doing it. Um, you still got people upset about car accidents. Their kid told their car 10 years ago. And till this day, they won't let their kid drive the car. Do they think that the kid didn't learn the lesson? Of course not. They know the kid learned the lesson. However, because of the past, they don't want to go through what they went in the past. Just like if you had a bad credit situation in the past, you're not going to put yourself in a position to have bad credit in the future if you just fixed your credit. So, you know, we could say it's not fair, but we're looking at it in the eyes of the criminal and not the eyes of the employer. However, um, I got hired by the Department of Transportation um, in August of, I think maybe three years ago. I can't even remember. I think it was 2016. And my record popped up and they, they said, please write a, a brief explanation. And I wrote the brief explanation and less than 10 minutes later, called me back and she said, I'm very impressed by you. Hopefully we can assist you in, in, in your future. And these are the things that, you know, you have to look at when it comes to, they will ask you for an explanation. How will you explain it? And that's why I suggest writing an explanation and practicing it. It's not only the explanation, it's how you deliver the explanation. Now, another young, another young man that I'm close to has an issue. And if he explained what happened, I think that he would get the same reaction that you got, but he won't do it. He won't listen. For where they may, it you know, people are willing to give people a chance because we all make mistakes. Nobody is mistake free, 
So if you give someone a helping hand, kudos to you. But you, when, when people reach out to help, there is accountability to the person they help. Don't mess it up for anybody else. Do the right thing. Do a good job. Don't make the person who's doing the good deed, if that's what you want to call it, don't make him or her regret that he or she has done it and given you the benefit of the doubt. Accountability is important. Let's move on. Now, while you guys were away, did you acquire any any skills? Is, are there opportunities inside to learn new skills and acquire additional learning? Did you enhance your learning in any way? I don't believe that there's anything. I don't believe that the American justice system has a rehabilitation system. Rehabilitation comes from within. I think that if and many people don't have the knowledge to pick up a book and read, or they don't have people sending books in for them to read. Yeah, they do have certain trades, but those trades, let's be for real. Um, one of the trades that they were offering at my job was sheet metal. I don't know too many sheet metal factories in my area. Another trade they were offering was wires, um, building wires for aircraft carriers. I don't know a naval base around here that I would um, be able to make aircraft carriers for, cables for. So therefore, you got you, the situation is this. You have to come back into your community. And more likely, you're coming back into the community that you left. So the best thing I'd say is you have to, you have to be able to educate yourself. Yeah, you one thing about prison, prison, I mean, prison to teach you how to work out. You know, you, you'll be able to work out a little better. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you'll be, you might get a little True. better at crime. You might meet someone from a different trade and learn a different crime. But prison isn't, isn't designed for, for rehabilitation. It's more or less designed for recidivism. You know, even even the factories that you work in, they're just basically uh, the similitude of that is, you know, it's just like slavery. You do a hard label for pennies on a dollar just so you can make it to the store at the end of the month. And and that's not, I mean, if you don't have a, a high school diploma to help you get a GED, I mean, and you know how far a high school diploma nowadays is like graduated from, you know, uh, a, mid, a, a middle school. Or it's, it's like... You know, you're not going to learn nothing new in prison except for or how to commit new crimes or unless you're going to go ahead and take the initiative yourself and change yourself. Change comes with, from within anyway. You have to have a desire to want to change anyway. So, but as far as the influences, you still got gangs in prison. You still got drugs in prison. You still got cell phones in prison. People still get killed in prison. You know, some people uh, engage in homosexual activities in prison. Prison isn't a... Uh, you know, like I said, it's 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 not it's 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 not like going to college. No, I know that yeah, you're around the, you're around the worst of the worst. So, and it's and unfortunately, it's the survival of the fittest. You know, and everybody knows everything. Well, you, guys, you guys are big guys, so you know it doesn't matter about size. Were- but every everybody everybody knows everything in prison. Anybody you meet, you can meet a guy about cars. He knows everything about a car. You got a guy to know everybody knows everything in prison. So it becomes like part of the routine or just debates. Prison life is about debates. You got guys talking about 40 years old, talking about what rapper had this and what rapper had that. What kind of rims you put in your car? What kind of rims I put in? They don't even wear rims. People don't put rims on cars no more. 
I had this Kooji sweater. <laughs> Did you have this? It, it's just basically like it's you know you're, you're in kindergarten all over again. You're in high school again. Yeah, you got to have a tolerance for ignorance. Definitely. You have to have a certain level of tolerance for ignorance. You know, um, definitely. You have to have a certain tolerance for the ignorance on the outside too. But Jason, tell me this. You tell listeners what you told me about your thoughts about what you needed when you returned home at the end of your um, sentence. Man, I was blessed that I had my twin brother when I came home. The first thing I needed was my license. And I I didn't pretty much your driver's know my, license? my driver's license. That was the most important thing to me. I didn't know quite about how I was going to get it because I acquired so many driving on the suspended and so many infractions when I didn't have a license that I didn't know where to start. He put me with a um, release course. It was Reese. The, the, the acronym actually spelled release. And it was they were they were a law firm out of North New Jersey. And I went to these people. I gave them my I gave them my um name, my social, my address. Um, I didn't think anything would come of it. The next day, they called me. They had my abstract, and they told me we were going to court. And, and that was a beautiful. They helped me. That was a beautiful program that that was ran out of Newark, and I, I actually I actually found out about that program in the halfway house. I was going to Essex County College, and I actually bumped into the. He was a young lawyer at the time white guy and uh i had bumped into him and, and he said well what are you doing here and i told him i was in a halfway house and he said uh do you have a license and uh, at this time he had just started this program and uh i was one of the first people to go through this and he got all my uh every offense that you know whatever i had that was keeping me from getting my license he ended up getting lifted and got my license back for me and we were going to court all the way in New Brunswick. <laughs> I had infractions all up and down New Jersey, so <laughs> yes. that was that was probably the best thing that I did. Because once you get a license, it enables you to move better. Um, most jobs, even if you don't have a car, they want you to have a license. They don't want sure. you. They they want to know that you could get to the job first and foremost. A lot of these places you can't, they're remote. You can't get to them by bus. So once once they see you have a license, you even have employers that'll help you get a car. Just is the program still going on? I'm not sure. What's I, the, you want to mention the guy's name? The lawyer's name? I actually can't remember the guy's name. I don't have to go look him up. Yeah. It's probably okay. one of my emails. That, that paperwork's lost because when mommy passed, we threw a lot of paperwork, paper and stuff okay. away. But all right, it, the name it I'll was released. Is that the, ac- the acronym was released? R E L E A S E. Okay. Now I'll I believe look, that I'll see if I can find it and post it on my website with the podcast with this podcast. If people, so people can. If someone needs it or they can use it, if it's still in a, if it's still in existence, uh, it's a resource for people. I know um, Roz Baraka in North, he has a type of um, program for reentry. And um, he's helping guys get these city jobs, sanitation, public works, water department. He's been um, very influential in helping people be productive members of society. Well, now you're both employed. How did you get those jobs? Was it difficult for you to find a job? And after you got a job, did you have any any challenges? Well, the first job I went, I went through a program called Brownsville. Brownsville, it's a government grant. 
and they have they have schools all across America, but it's 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 for remediation. So they teach you lead lead removal, asbestos removal. You get your OSHA certificate, and they find job placement. That I do know is still in effect. It's called Browns Brownsville. The first job I had was asbestos removal. It was right after Sandy, so we had plenty of work. It wasn't really hard to find a job. I'm gonna be honest with you. Even what about even, you, Jeff? I'm sorry. Did you, I? I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason. This is you, this not. You may not find a desirable job or a job that you want, but finding a job is the easy part. And yeah, I'm, well, I'm, well, I was a little coming home. It's not really about. It's not what you know. It's who you know, and it's not really about who knows you. Who is? It's who knows you. It's not who you know. It's who knows you and who's willing to help you. I had a. Uh, I had an individual that was willing to help me. Position became available. It was actually a per diem position at North Housing Authority. I went and started working. I became permanent, and I've been working there ever since. But like I said, it's it's just about. It's not really even, you know, because you could you could you know you could know uh, Bill Gates, but if he doesn't know you and if he's not willing to help you, you know, it's it's of no benefit. So it's just about who's willing to help you. You know, I went in. I had an interview. Took the job. And I've been there ever since. So in that sense, I was blessed. I never even applied to go anywhere else. Well, you know, it goes back to networking. You have to have a network that you can use. Once you get out, it's the people you know, which includes your family, your loved ones, people who know your family, maybe your maybe your teachers, a teacher that was supportive of you when you were in school. But let me just say this. Remember you I don't want to cut you off. I don't want to cut you off, but I, I just do have to say this. No, go ahead. What people have to realize is, especially those coming home from prison, that no one owes you anything. No one's going to give you anything. Don't have a sense of entitlement. You know, uh, who you may have been in a past life doesn't even matter anymore. What you used to do, you know, it doesn't, it, you know, used to be don't make honey anymore. And so in a sense, you have to come out and you just got to be willing to work for it. I mean, anything, anything you want, you'll, you'll, you'll eventually get, it might take a little longer, you know, but if you just got one thing that prison will teach you is patience. <laughs> so, you know, you, you know, you waited, you waited so many years to get out and so many years and you made all these promises to your family members of what you wouldn't do and what you were going to do differently when you get out. Uh, now's the time to, to, to live up to it, man, because you know, well, whereas no one owes you anything, you may owe people things. You may owe your, you may have had a mother that came to see you every, you know, when everyone else abandoned you and that pretty arm candy left you. And when your boys didn't come see you, you know, you might have had a mother that came and sat on a bus for hours to come see you. You owe her. You know, you might have had a sister who, you know, she didn't have any money, but, you know, whenever she had an extra 50 or $20 she sent to you, you owe her. You know, uh, you may have had a, a father that was sickly and came to visit you. So you owe all of them. It's not so much. It's not so much what people what, what people owe you. It's what you owe people. You guess so always got to keep that in mind. Well, you know the people who wrote you letters when no one else wrote you letters. You know you owe them. You know I mean the people that took the Believe me. Would it surprise you all to know that I still have the letters you wrote me? <laughs> no, I still got the letters you wrote me. I mean, I have them in a box. I have them in a box. Okay. You both have suffered tragic personal losses recently. But Jason, you're getting married this summer and Justin, you have an adorable baby daughter. Your lives yeah. have changed 
and are changing dramatically. What do you see in your future now? COVID-19. <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. one of the greatest, you know, one of, one of you know, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say this is when my daughter, I, I was actually in the delivery room for my daughter. I actually saw her come out. I cut the cord. I was there. I never, I didn't miss one beat. And uh, after losing my mother and father, you know, I was in a, I was in a dark place, borderline depressed, you know, and there's not even now, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my mother and father. And I will say this. I always say that my daughter is, is like a, uh, is like a, a, a miracle, a prophecy of my mother's, you know, uh, two days prior to my mother dying, we were, I was taking her to the dentist and she said, Justin, I had a dream. I had a dream. You had a baby girl. And I was like, Ma, I ain't got no body pregnant. I ain't got no kid on the way. And nine months later, I had a, a baby girl. But seeing, seeing another, seeing another part of you, you know, I just look at her and I see me. I see my mother. I see my bro. I see Jason more than I see anybody. And my daughter, I had to say, you know, she has a, uh, she looks, you know, even though we're twins, we have distinguishing marks. And uh, there's yes. something about her cheek structure that reminds me so much of Jason to the fact where I say, hey, man, what? You, <laughs> you be coming over, <laughs> you be coming to my house, you know, joking. But, it <laughs> but yeah, same gene pool. But um, you know, it's, it's you see a part. You know, I see my mother. She actually she, it's the same she laughs so much. If you want to be technical, because identical yeah, twins exactly. lit one A. So if if we took a DNA test, the DNS. It, it'll come that the baby is mine. So actually, I got a baby now. Alhamdulillah. Oh, please. Don't even start. <laughs> Give me a break. We were going down such a good path. <laughs> just give me a break. And just like, you know, even with, you know, you know, even, you know, Jason getting married, that's, you know, that's a big step in manhood. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of times people look at, you know, Oh man, I'm I'm just, I'm just dating this girl. Well, in life, the goal is to actually you want to get married at some point in your life. You wanna you wanna you wanna do right by the woman you with. So that's a big step as well, and it's and, it, and it's a big responsibility as well. You know, people don't understand that the you know <laughs> being in I mean just like being in a relationship, but being a marriage is a commitment not just before you but before God as well. And uh, it's a big responsibility yeah. because men men are the maintainers of women, you know. And it's you you know this is this is stated in the Quran. This is stated in the Bible that men are the maintainers of women. You know, no woman is you know like you know my father always said if a woman want to go half she get a, a roommate. You know what I mean? So a lot of times you know people when you when you're in a relationship is a hundred percent. You know what I mean? You got to give a hundred and she has to give a hundred. There's no such thing as fifty fifty. Is there anything we're about to end? We're running out of time. Is there anything you else you want to say to listeners? I want to say this when you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but once you put your mind to anything, you can do it. The only person that's holding you back is yourself. You know, don't be don't be scared to try something new. One thing might the same thing that you used to do might not work for you anymore. You know, you gotta find another way to go about it, or you gotta find the earth is so spacious, you know. You gotta go somewhere else where 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 your where your uh your supply is needed. I mean, the supply has to meet the demand in any business. Can't do the same thing and expect different results. Period. 
It's true. You can't do the same it's thing true. and expect different results. And I know that's they've been drilling that in your head all throughout your incarceration. But it's it's the truest thing. You can't you 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 gotta refrain from being around certain people. Because certain people will bring you back into dark places. And 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 it's disguised as a bright place. It's disguised as a desirable place. But actually it's in a dark place because it's gonna take you back to where you just came from. Why don't we end on that note? I want to thank you both, Jason and Justin Hannibal, for taking the time to do this podcast with me. I love you both dearly. And I'm here for you if you need me. I hope to be a part of your podcast more often. Thank you for inviting me. You will. You will. I really don't want this. Don't hang up. This discussion can go (laughs) on forever. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.